You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. I hope you all are well. So I was thinking that I don't think I have mentioned it in any of my recent shows, but after years of mountain bike and gravel bike riding and racing pretty much exclusively, I have waded back into triathlon. The last triathlon I did was Ironman World Championships in Kona in 2008, which I did just six weeks after winning my age group in Ironman Louisville. And that was pretty much it. (laughs) I put down the tri bike and I put down triathlon and I got picked up by a mountain bike racing team for several years. And then that was pretty much all I've, I've done, you know, got into gravel and it's been bikes, bikes, bikes. Sure. I run sporadically, but I have not been in the pool for more than a decade. And just as I'm always talking about trying new things and getting curious on the show, I have definitely been feeling kind of one dimensional riding my bike all the time. Sure. I lift. Yes, I lift but I lift mostly so I can be strong and ride better and because it makes me feel amazing and I want to be strong for the rest of my life. But it it is not a passion in and of itself for me personally. So I've had my ears to the ground for events that might pique my interest. And sure enough, Iron Man announced a 70.3 in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania. And I am a Penn State alum and I have lots of friends in that area. So my ears definitely perked up. And then I saw that the race finished inside Beaver Stadium, and I think the finish line is actually on the 50-yard line, and I signed up that very morning. I also hired a coach, Marnie Sumbal of Try Marnie Coaching and Nutrition, and she is ludicrously amazing. Like She's got this resume that includes 18 Ironman finishes and five Ironman World Championship finishes and so much more, and I just wanted to say it's been really, really awesome. We are focused on swimming right now because, as I've mentioned, it's been a while. And Marty likes to use all the toys. So I am back in the pool at 5.30 a.m. pulling these 3,000-meter sessions, doing drills with a swim snorkel and a buoy and ankle straps and all the things. And it really feels amazing. It feels amazing to be using all those different muscles again and working towards this kind of a goal again. And I just wanted to share this because, you know, I kind of like when I take my own advice and it works because that's not always the case. And uh, it's it, not always the case that it doesn't work that I actually take my own advice. Um, but it's been great. So I encourage you also in the, this new year coming up to maybe if you're feeling a little stale or whatever, leave the lane, you know, find find a sport that you used to do, find a tangent sport. It can be really, really invigorating. And I will keep you posted on my progress as we go along in the new year. All right. Speaking of triathlon and progress, this week's guest, off-road triathlete and bike racer, Deanna McCurdy knows a whole lot about all of those things. At age 42, Deanna was crushing it, including clocking the fastest female amateur time at Xterra National Championships, and she was ready to turn pro when... perimenopause. Out of the blue, her performance tanked and she found herself in tears through a key race. 
Deanna, who is also a mom of a special needs daughter, was forced to rest, research, reset, and make some training and lifestyle changes that would allow her to train smarter, stay healthy, and energized, and attain her goals. And it worked. She roared back to racing as a pro at age 45, winning Xterra Fruta and getting second at Xterra Quebec. Uh, USA Triathlon awarded her Off-Road Triathlete of the Year honors in 2017, 2018, and 2021 for her racing success. But those ups were followed by more hormonally driven downs. And just when she was training for her first big mountain bike stage race, the Breck Epic in Colorado earlier this year, Deanna found herself down and out with aches and injuries and sleepless nights and stomach upset and dull, persistent headaches. You get the idea. So back to the drawing board. And with the help of hormone therapy this time, she got back on track and crushed that race. But she's definitely still navigating this rocky path of perimenopause. And she shares all of that in her journey and what she has found that has helped her find success along the way as she navigates this road. Deanna is a USAT level one and a USAC USAC level two certified coach. She has two teenage daughters, including one with Angelman syndrome, which is a rare neurogenetic disorder that affects about one in 15,000 people and about 500,000 worldwide. Symptoms include, but are not limited to delayed developmental milestones, gross and fine motor impairment, difficulty with feeding and swallowing, loss of functional speech, and epilepsy. So as such, Deanna has a lot on her plate, and she is also the founder and head coach of Team Miles for Smiles, Wings to Fly Racing. Miles for Smiles is a training team created to help raise funds for the Foundation for Angelman Syndrome Therapeutics, otherwise known as FAST, which is a nonprofit whose sole purpose is to fund research and ultimately find a cure for Angelman's syndrome. So I am going to put all of those links in the show notes so you can learn about her as well as FAST. Uh, She's got a lot of hard-earned wisdom, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Okay, I would like to say welcome aboard to the new Level Up members who joined us after the Hit Play Not Pause Summit, which was amazing. If you didn't have a chance to watch it, go back and and look at those replays. If you missed it, don't miss it next time. These summits are really, really great. The the speakers are just a wealth of knowledge, and it's actually just really fun and energetic and entertaining too. So thanks to everyone who contributed, and thanks to the new members. We are stoked to have you in our community. If you haven't already, check out our first ever Feisty Menopause Performance Retreat that we are holding in Lake Nona, Florida this February on the weekend of the 24th through the 26th. Again, it will be fun and super educational and we'll all be together and that's always awesome. The retreat includes two nights at Lake Nona Wave Hotel, Adari Motion Analysis, which analyzes your movement patterns so you can prevent injuries. There's private strength and conditioning sessions, nutritional sessions, and we get a private menopause DECA event, which is a fun, non-competitive hands-on training and performance session. So first time doing anything like this. So we're limiting it to about 20 people. Thank you to those who signed up already. We will be stoked to see you in February. And you can check that out at feistymenopause.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. As always, I invite you to follow us at Feisty Menopause at Instagram and Facebook. Sign up for my weekly blog on feistymenopause.com. And thank you for all the ratings and the reviews that keep coming in and for sharing the show with your friends and on your socials. We are still growing and we are going to take over the world. And I appreciate you. (laughs) 
All right. Enough of me. Let's hear about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. All right. Well, Deanna, I got to say, my producer, Carrie, brings me some of the best guests, uh, you know, and she introduced me to you because she had you on her podcast. I could never do that regarding your Breck Epic and all the other things that you're doing for Angelman Syndrome, which we'll get into. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I um, your story is really great. I've done the Breck Epic. I know what that is all about. It is not an easy feat. So congrats on your accomplishment there. Um, But you started as a runner. So I'd like to just go back a little bit and say, like, how old were you when you were running? What type of running were you doing? Give us a little bit of your athletic history. Okay, so I was one of those kids that um, I ran a little in high school. Like I ran track my freshman year, decided running wasn't fun. Didn't do it my sophomore year. Went back, did it again my junior year 
was like, oh, okay. You know, and, um, and then my senior year, I actually ran cross country and it was honestly, the main reason to run cross country is, um, I was in the band also in high school and I was kind of tired of band and football season was coming up in the fall. And I was like, Hmm, if I run cross country, I get to skip as many practices as I can with band. <laughs> and that's how you know, I honestly fell into it. And it was something that for some reason my body could do. I didn't like it, but I could do it. Um, but it, and it, and it carried me on. I, uh, ran for a small division one, uh, school in, um, Indiana for in college. And again, did I love running? No, but it was, it something I could do and it got me off campus on the weekend and I got free food out of it. So I did it. Um, if it was after college, you know, you had those couple of weekends, the first few months, you're like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Now I have the freedom of my young 20 something life. I make a paycheck. I'm going to go out on the weekends. And after a few weekends, you're like, yeah, uh, that's, it's kind of old. Like I, I'm going to go find a 5k to sign up for it, a 10k to sign up for. And I, because it was part of, I realized who I was, you know, and it was whether it's my mental stress relief or, or just, I knew I had this talent to do it. I didn't understand why I had the talent, but it was something my body could do. And so I kept running. Makes perfect sense. And that, I, that echoes a lot of people's stories. And then you get into mountain biking and I listened to Carrie's podcast. So I know it was because you wanted to impress your now husband and you started advent adventure racing together. Um, what kind of racing were you doing? I met him at a, an adventure race in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. I'd gone up with a girlfriend of mine from work uh, to volunteer at the race for one weekend. And he happened to be there racing. Um, and we chatted after the race. It turned out we were from the same small town. And um, they needed a girl for their team because you know, most adventure racing teams require one female. And they were looking for a female. And I was like, well, I can run. I haven't done any of the other things. But he's like, oh. I have a, I have an extra mountain bike here. I'm going to, um, I'll teach you. Well, he's, you know, 5'10", 5'11". I'm 5'2". <laughs> Our bike size is slightly different, but I didn't know any better. And he also had clipless pedals. So I got thrown into the fire with clipless pedals and riding, I think the second, third time I ever rode, we went camping and we we're riding at night because, you know, at adventure racing, you might be riding in the dark. <laughs> and so it was literally trial by fire. I mean, I, um, I had many crashes, many, many crashes for about six months to the point where I'd go into work on a Monday and people were questioning and thinking I might be in an abusive relationship. Um, but it was really, you know, all self-inflicted when I'd come in with a busted chin or a black eye from flying over the handlebars and hitting something. So, um, yeah, that's how I got into mountain biking, you know, and um, and I fell in love with it once I started figuring it out. Right, but right. Um, and I'm yeah, still doing it to this day. Oh, that's awesome. And then then you you guys raced together, presumably, for a while and we got did. Married, started a family. <laughs> <laughs> and we we, you know, I we always say if if we if our if our relationship could survive being lost in the woods for hours, standing on the top of the hill, wondering why there wasn't a checkpoint there because it actually was the next hill over, and we didn't kill each other in that process, then we our relationship could survive pretty much anything. Yeah, for but sure. needless to say, I'm going to say needless to say now, um, we don't race together because our, we want our relationship to survive. And I don't know if it would later on in life. I, I, I fully understand. So what age um, were you when you had your first daughter? You know, you have two daughters. We'll get into that story in a bit. But like, 
you when do you start having children in this in your athletic journey here? So we had our first I had my first daughter when I believe I was like 31 and thir- almost 34 for the second daughter. So just kind of right in the middle of, you know, your young 30s. And we had a couple of years where, especially after my first, we still enjoyed doing, you know, the mountain biking. In fact, we would get a babysitter so we could go on mountain biking dates or we would take our, you know, a daughter, throw her in a backpack and do long hikes and up in the mountains. And um, so we were very active but we weren't racing. We were just enjoying life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you, you had that second daughter and you were also getting into Xterra at this point. So I had my second daughter and um, our world pretty much turned upside down. (laughs) Our second daughter, I had a lot of medical challenges when she was born. And so we spent a lot of the first two years in and out of the hospital, trying to figure out what was going on with her. Um, and she was, a, she ended up at 16 months being diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder, mm-hmm. which explained a lot of the challenges that she was going through. But after her diagnosis, I'm just the type of person I'm, I'm determined and stubborn It's by my nature, you know, and probably my athletic background or just who, how I'm wired. And I wanted, I didn't want our life to be, I don't want to call it a death sentence, but suddenly your life that you thought you had the, you know, you imagine you having this family that you were going to go on these amazing trips and vacations and your kids were going to be best friends. And you were just going to have this wonderful adventurous life. Suddenly it sounds like you're, you get this diagnosis and you have this sentence like, Oh, is it, did our life just end? Are we going to be confined to the house raising this child? What is, you know, what does life look like for us? Um, and I was just determined that no, that didn't have to be the path that our life had to go. So um, I started researching her condition, which is called Angelman syndrome, and um, learned about an organization that was created by parents who had a similar kind of philosophy as me that they, they didn't believe based on what the science was showing that this had to be a condition that we were, I mean, our, our, ch- our children have, um, they don't have a shortened life because of their condition, but they do require care 24 seven. And so, oh gosh, is this gonna be like this into adulthood? And based on how the science and the research was looking, they said, no, it doesn't have to be that way. We can do something about that. If we can keep pushing this research and pushing the awareness side of um, about the condition and get more notice for it, that um, that life path could change. So me being me said, okay, I'm not smart enough and brilliant enough to fix the condition myself, but what can I do to change the course or help change the trajectory of these children and their families' lives? Again, I default to my running background. I was like, well, you know, for some reason, I've always been a runner. I can run. And I always said, I didn't know why I had this talent. And now I'm like, well, maybe this is why. Maybe I'm supposed to use this talent to um, not only bring awareness to the condition, but inspire others. Now, that being said, running, like I said, is something that has come more easily to me than other people. So I thought, well, I could run more. I could run a marathon. I could run an ultra you know, marathon. But that's something that people would expect. Oh, Deanna's a runner. She can do. So I thought, what is something that I can do that's going to challenge me as much as my daughter's challenged every single day when she has to go to therapy to learn how to stand independently or walk independently. And the idea of triathlon came to my head um, because I had always been this runner and I loved riding bikes, but um, 
had no background in swimming. I mean, other than I grew up in Georgia and it's hotter than blazes in the summertime. And so you just find any body of water you can get in and you grow up playing in water. But I had never been a competitive swimmer. So I thought this is my challenge. Um, So that's how I actually got into triathlon is because of my daughter started with road triathlon just because of where we lived and um, eventually dappled a little in off-road triathlon in Georgia and discovered that the people reminded me of the people that I've known from trail running and from adventure racing. They're just very warm and, and, and accepting and, and encouraging. So we moved out here. Uh, eight years ago in 2014, after actually I did Ironman Boulder, because that's how my brain works, you know, live in Georgia at sea level. Let's go do do a race is a big fundraising race, but at altitude, because we <laughs> want to add to the challenge. Um, anyway, we came out here and pretty much I was like, I want to make friends out here. It's hard to make friends. People are busy all the time. You know, we're busy with work. We're busy with kids. So we signed up for an Xterra triathlon because I was like, well, I liked the people in the Southeast that I met from Xterra. Let's you know, see if we get to make friends out here through doing the same thing. And we did. And we were, again, embraced. And we live in a community that has 40 something miles of trails right out our door. And so I was like, don't tell road triathlete people this, but I was like, why would I want to ride a road trial, you know, a a time trial bike on the road all day when I can go play in the mountains. And um, not only for my mental health, but hello, it's, it's gorgeous out here. And, and it's challenging. And I love the challenge. And that's how I kind of got into off-road triathlon. That's awesome. So a couple of follow-up stories for, for people who don't know, including myself. You know, it is a rare um, disorder that, the, that your daughter was born with. What does her care entail? Like what, she's what, 14? Is she 14 now? She is 14. In fact, yesterday we had her IEP meeting, which uh, for people who don't know, it's just her individualized educational plan that you go to, you meet with the teachers and the therapists and everybody at the school, and you set her goals for not only for the year, but um, so she's a freshman in high school. So we sat down this meeting and it's not just for one year goals. It's okay, let's look at the next four years and then plan for life after high school. And I just sat there and I was like, I'm not ready Ooh. for this. <laughs> Life after high school. I mean, I know I have to plan ahead, but just to think that you could have parents of adults, it, you know, I I feel like I'm not old enough to be there yet. I I fully understand. I have a daughter. I have a daughter in college. Um, (laughs) and, And speaking of like, I, you know, I, when my daughter was born, she was diagnosed when she was three with, um, pervasive developmental delay, which was just a bucket term for whatever right you know just on the spectrum um you know but we juggled for a few years lots of therapy appointments you know the the emotional weight that goes along with that and the ieps and all of that and that was just that was just for a few years and it's nowhere near as complex but i have an inkling of what you're looking at you are incredibly athletically successful during this this time in some very trying circumstances and i'm you know i'm curious like how did you manage the the stress of that? Or were you just very good at sort of compartmentalizing, you know, all, all of these challenging aspects of your life? Well, I'm sure later on down the podcast, we're going to talk about stress and its effects on the body because it yes, really has, yes. It yes, really we will. has uh, we'll talk, we'll cover cortisol. We'll cover all of that stuff. I'm sure because um, it does affect you internally. Externally, you might pretend to the world you're fine, but internally when you're like you said, so you're dealing, I'm dealing with a child who at 14 is still not potty trained, needs assistance getting dressed and unstressed, you know, 
feeding. Like I have to cut all her food into bite-sized pieces. She still doesn't use a fork. Um, she's nonverbal. So trying to figure out what her, what's bothering her in her moods or what she needs or, or her wants. Those are all, you know, daily struggles and stress. And when they're younger, you're right. We were in the therapy sessions all the time, you know, and, um, but I, I used my sport as my outlet. Like it was something that that was my time, even if I had, because part of her condition, there's a sleep disorder. So, and we all know about sleep and how yeah. essential it is, especially as we'll talk about as you get older. Um, so, you know, when you're only sleeping in two to three hour increments of the night, because your daughter keeps waking up and then during the day, she's totally fine and she's ready to wear and to go. But as a parent, you're exhausted. Plus you have another child who's, you know, almost three years older and you're trying to pretend life is normal for that child. Um, it's exhausting, but I think my exercise and especially setting goals for me made me get me out the door on those days that I didn't want to get out the door. But it's also, I kind of say it's my secret weapon in my back pocket for why I've been successful doing um, the, you know, challenges I've taken on is because I have that, you know, I, I value that time away. I value what it feels like to have your lungs and legs screaming, climbing a, you know, a, an unrelenting hill because I'm like, this is hard, but it's something that I can physically control the hardness of. I can't control when I walk back in the door, what life is going to be like. And, um, and like I said, so when it comes to racing, the same applies. Like, you know, you'll go to, a, I'll go to a race and you'll have somebody grumbling and mumbling under their breath going up this climb or the weather conditions are miserable. And I'm like, this is great. This is my free time. You know, this is, <laughs> this is my time that I get to be out here. It's not that I have to be here. I get to do this. So, you know, while some people look forward to going to a beach and laying out and, you know, having drinks and getting massages, I'm like, mm, I'd rather, you know, <laughs> punish my body some more, but feels so good after it's done. Yeah. Well, a lot of our audience relates directly to that. And will relate directly to, you know, why you and I are talking, you know, after you talked to Carrie, because, you know, we're talking today because, quote, as you said, your body, quote unquote, plummeted during the summer of 2017 as a result of perimenopause, intense training, juggling working kids, life stress. Um, I believe this is a huge factor, the symptoms you were experiencing. And then you said, I was forced to rest, reset, lifestyle change, and throw myself into researching what was happening to my body with the same intensity as I did my own training. And I would love you to dig into that a bit. Like, how did your body plummet? What were your symptoms? And, and how did you how did you reset? Okay. It's funny. I had, I used to have, and I'm not even going to tell you guys what, um, I had a blog, you know, out there, one of those Google blogs. And I had, I, I'm grateful. I have wrote down a lot of my thoughts and the symptoms I was going through and everything back then, because I actually re-looked at it this morning and there was things that I had forgotten about. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that I felt this way, or this is what I had to do or how I reacted. And so it was good as a refresher for me to go, because, you know, after you pass like a, any sort of whether it's a trauma or anything in your life, a phase of your life, and you move on, you're like, oh, was that really that bad? But totally. looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was, that was pretty rough. So in 2017, so 20, like 2016 was when, when I kind of started finding my own and my groove in Xterra Triathlon out here. And it was when, it was the first time I won 
like the overall amateur at Xterra Nationals and Xterra Oak Mountain. And so then the local races on the circuit, I was winning all this. So 2017, I'm like, I want to take this to the next level. Um, and I, I had a new, I got a new coach who was, is a phenomenal person. She's a former um, road triathlon Olympian. And she lives, of course, in my neighborhood, because when you live in Colorado, you have people like that in your neighborhood out here. Um, but anyway, wonderful person. But um, her, her philosophy and training was, you know, very intense. And, um, and I'm the type of person that if you put something in writing on my training schedule, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out a way to do it, whether I'm exhausted, whether I am hurt. It's just because I want to see on training peaks that green, you know, marking um, for my workout completed. So I was working with her and it, the year seemed like to start off great. I won Xero Mountain. Then I went to, we had USA uh, triathlon nationals were in Arkansas and won that race by like 10 minutes over the next uh, finisher. So it was, I was like, Hey, things are going great. Meanwhile, it's summertime. Well, you know, when you have younger kids, summertime means kids are home from school. And when you have a child with special needs, you don't have play dates or that you can swap out with. You don't have summer camps. Oh, good. They're in day camp. I can send them down the street to the community center camp or things. So, you know, she was home all the time. I had a husband who worked a lot and traveled a lot. So there was a lot of juggling factors and internal stress from the whole um, cumulative effects of me trying to get my workouts in and me trying to be a good mom and, and um, you know, and balancing it all. So come say come July, like I said, things were great, kind of rolling into July. And then I had to hit Xterra Beaver Creek and thought I was going to be doing great. Actually, I thought I was doing okay. I get out of the water at Xterra Beaver Creek. And as my husband told me later, he's like, Tana, you are so far back out of the water. I don't know what happened to you. And I hear, I thought, no, I worked hard. I get out of the water. And then about a mile into the bike ride, I just started crying. Like I realized my body wasn't okay. It was, it hit this tanking point during the race and I finished the race, but I'm pretty sure I cried myself through the entire course to just get to the finish line. So, um, and it was rough and I thought, you know, everybody has bad races, but that was really rough. Well, I lucked, I say luckily I had a, um, an appointment with my gynecologist that next week just for my regular yearly checkup. Cause I try to plan those things after, you know, when you have your recovery week after the race, so it's not one more thing. And I'm like, good, I'm going to see her walked into her office. And she's like, how are you doing? And again, the, the waterworks just started. I start crying and to have a good doctor who just comes over and gives you a hug. You're like, okay, <laughs> we're, in, we're in a good place, you know? And she, she gets me in these, cause not all doctors get athletes who, who push themselves like we do. And, you know, usually they'll be like, ah, just take some time off. And, but she got that there's something more going on with me. Um, and we did, you know, good old blood. But she's like, let's check, you know, I want to check your, your blood work. And sure enough, I mean, my, um, my adrenals were, were low. My th thyroid was teetering on low. My testosterone levels were really plummeted. Um, and she was like, mm, things are not, you know, this, is, this isn't normal. This is how your body's internalizing all of this stress. So we, let's figure, let's problem solve how we can figure this out and what we can do with about it. Well, the first thing she recommended is it's pretty cool that my, um, you know, what is Western medicine based OBGYN practice has an acupuncturist on staff. And she's like, I think you should make an appointment and go see the acupuncturist. So I went and saw him, we, we chatted and, um, you know, I'm, 
vaguely familiar with Eastern medicine. Um, my background was in physical therapy. And then uh, that after a few years, I uh, went back to school for massage therapy because I liked doing hands-on work and didn't like dealing with insurance companies. So, um, so, you know, we were tested on Eastern medicine philosophies and trains of thought when you take your little boards for it, but I didn't know too much about it. So I went to him with an open mind, you know, and he said, well, your, your pulse is really thready. You, um, you know, looking at your tongue, it's white, which again, I didn't understand any of this. And so he worked with me and then he asked me one time, he's like, well, do you, do you drink? And I was like, well, on occasion, you know, I drink. And he said, I want you to drink. And I thought this was so fascinating at the time. I want you to drink a glass of red wine every night. And I want you to soak your feet in as hot of water as you can for at least 20 minutes. And I asked him why. And his, his idea was it's supposed to help not only promote blood flow, but the getting the chi of your body moving. Because some of my crazy symptoms I was having that summer, aside from the fatigue, was extreme cold. You know, I would be July and I'm like under all these covers and my husband's like, it's 90 something degrees outside. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm just so cold. And I was having upset stomachs, you know, all these, which now we know are classic perimenopausal symptoms. My period duration, you know, my cycle was getting shorter. Um, that was another thing that we, we talked about in my gynecology uh, visits then. But yeah, upset stomach, crazy ping ponging of injuries. Like one day my shoulder would hurt. The next day I would go, go run and my hip would hurt. Old injuries were flaring, flaring up that I didn't remember. Plus things like sleep. You know, when you wake up five to six times a night, just because your body, you go to sleep, okay, your body keeps waking up. That, but then during the day, you're driving the car and you just want to pull over and go to sleep on the side of the road. So instead you're taking things like, okay, I'm going to stop at the gas station and get a fountain Coke, or I'm going to survive on coffee, or I kept popping breath mints in my mouth, you know, that craving those, those, those refined sugars and to just keep me going throughout the day, which as we've learned is, yeah, that's also creating the inflammation. It's also <laughs> increasing your cortisol levels. You know, so all of those things was tumbling downward. But at the time I didn't know until I had the setback and and I was like, I've got to figure this out. I have in a month from now, I we were going to ITU Cross Worlds was in Penticton, Canada. And that was not only supposed to be one of my big races of the year, but it was also supposed to be the big family vacation to take the kids to Canada. And we had planned this big week-long event. And I'm like, well, I can't miss out on this now. I've paid for plane tickets and I've been wanting to do that. So I literally stopped everything. I mean, I, I loved my coach, but I fired my coach. I said, I, I need, I need to reset myself and, um, yeah, let her go. So I wouldn't have workouts that I would try to keep doing. I, um, gave myself the grace of taking naps and I, I learned, you know, some people are closet eaters. I became a closet napper. Like if I had five minutes, I'm like, Oh, five minutes, I'm going to take a nap, you know? And during, during the day, I just, I took lots more naps. I also gave myself this uh, rule that I'm like, you can be on social media because you you can, but I only allowed myself like 10 to 15 minutes a day. Because first off, social media, you find when you're scrolling and scrolling, you, you waste hours of your life, but also it's, there's a lot of underlying stress when you're seeing people like, you know, accomplishing great things and you're seeing their best face all the time. And it was creating it again, another stress in me. So I was like, 
you can, you can look at social media, but you get 10 minutes a day, you know? And so I did those things, including drinking my wine. I was just going <laughs> to ask if you, I was, I really wanted to go back to that. If you did that, <laughs> including trying that, it's funny. Cause I'm like, well, I don't drink that much, you know? And some nights you're just like, Oh, I don't want, I really don't want it in your little juice glass. Cause I'm like, well, okay. I'm, you know, he didn't specify the size of the glass of wine. Um, but yeah, I was like willing to try anything, you know, my stomach upset. So I, added a probiotic, you know, taking a daily probiotic, but I also did things like making sure I was having more Greek yogurt and um, kombucha, especially kombucha with ginger to help settle my stomach issues. Men, again, diet, diet was the big, I mean, I've just believe that, and I don't say dieting. I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of dieting. I, you know, I've never dieted in that terms, but looking at my diet saying, you know what, take away the caffeine take away the refined sugars. Let's increase things that are good for your body, like healthy fats. Your body needs fat. And so eating avocados or coconut oil infused in things, nuts, you know, seeds, things that have um, leucine in them or cruciferous vegetables, um, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Brussels sprouts. And it sounds interesting because my body actually was craving that. Like it became to the point where I was like, Hmm, you know, yeah, Brussels sprouts could sound good tonight. Now, my whole rest of my family is like, really? That's mm-hmm. the one thing you don't have to ever make again. But it's like I wanted them. And I, I, I started listening more to my, my body really wanted. You know, um, salmon became a very good staple. Salmon, sweet potatoes, and broccoli were huge staples every single week. To this day, every single week, we're going to have that at least once during the week, just especially when I'm training in, a, in season, because it, it helped my body not only heal and balance, but it's, it tasted good, you know, compared to, oh, let's go have that, you know, that sugary sweetened whatever instead. So getting back to that, um, it, you know, I, I did, I did not do anything specifically for two weeks. No, no exercise other than, you know, resting or having to walk to the bus stop, you know, we, um, and, and I was okay with that because I, I approached that at the same intensity that I approached training because I looked at it like, I, I, I'm going to keep my fitness. My fitness is going to be there. You're not going to, you know, if you tell your brain you, and allow your brain to believe that you're not going to lose your fitness overnight, you know, so two weeks, it's still going to be there. But, and, and it, and it doesn't have to be specifically two weeks. It could be a month. It could be however long it takes. Um, but after two weeks, I was like, you know, I think I can do a few things. Plus I have this race that's in another week and a half. I better, um, better at least move a little before getting up to Canada. So, so I did. And, um, and the race in Canada actually went really well, actually backing up to it. So, um, like I said, I've done really well in off-road triathlon. Here we go to ITU cross worlds. The swim was not wetsuit legal, but it was in the upper 60s, 60s. It was like the only race of the entire week of races that they had for this, you know, championships um, that was not wetsuit legal. For some reason, it was like 0.2 over the legal limit of water temperature. So me already having this cold issue, then you throw me into cold water. I get out there to the first buoy. I'm with the lead pack. And then suddenly I was having this out-of-body experience where my arms were moving, my legs were moving but everybody was just moving away from me (laughs) (laughs) and they kept getting further and further. And I, again, didn't panic. I wasn't having a panic attack. Um, My dear sweet husband, again, later he was, we kind of thought you got lost. Like we didn't know what other people were coming out of the water. He's like, did you just think you had to swim to the other end of the lake? And I finally came out of the water and I was like, 
literally in like 69th place, which for me, I'm usually in 10th to 15th. I'm not the strongest swimmer, but I've worked hard swimming to get myself to at least on the tail end of that, that lead pack. And I came out of the water 69th. Um, but I, I don't know if I had one of those moments like, eh, screw it, just do whatever you can do from now on for the rest of the race, because you're way back here and you're just kind of laughing at yourself. Or I was just so happy that I was doing something out there. So I came out of the water so far past 65 people, I guess, between the bike and the run. Um, and I had the fastest bike split and the second fastest run split, you know? And so I finished fifth overall at, you know, cross worlds a month after having that, that initial breakdown. And I knew that, well, my swim's going to get better. It's just the slowest. I mean, it's my weakness and it's my slowest thing that's going to come back. And again, the cold water to this day, the cold doesn't do well with me. <laughs> so, um, so it, it was a good, like I said, it was a good eye-opening experience. And I, I just think that I was so fortunate that I happened to have that doctor appointment the week later to say, hey, this isn't just a normal, you had a bad race, there's something else going on. And it was a good reset too, because it allowed me to, to um, really look at myself and realize the things that I was doing, my coping mechanisms, you know, whether it was, like I said, the things like social media, staying up too late, you know, or taking in all those sugars and caffeine to stay awake, um, that I needed, you know, at, speaking of which, so the resting. So I, um, I learned about the HAP app of Headspace mm-hmm. and I started, you know, it's a, I would listen to it. I had the app and it was like three minutes of meditation before going to bed. And that became something I almost craved because I, I realized I needed that to turn my brain off, to unwind everything, to get my body switching over to its parasympathetic system so I could sleep. Um, and that's been huge. And I found myself this summer, which we'll get into probably is that in a little bit, staying up to 11 o'clock at night, you know, go, go, go on the phone, watching TV, trying to get work done. And then also try to go to sleep and sleep starts getting disrupted again. And I'm like, Oh, it's time for that reset again. Well, it obviously worked because you did like, you know, you, you came back and had a lot of racing success. You had USA triathlon awarded you off-road triathlete of the year in 2007 and 18, 2017 and 2018 and 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2019, you competed as a pro placing second at Xterra Quebec, winning Xterra Fruta and did a bunch of other races. So uh, where are you in your menopause journey now? You mentioned in a message to me earlier um, that earlier this year, you hit another rough patch while training for the Breck Epic. And what did that look like? I did. So um, January of this year, you know, again, I, I, um, I'm a big believer in whether you do it through your doctor, especially us women as we're older um, or getting older, um, using, and I'm going to do a little pitch for you guys, but um, inside tracker or going through your doctor office to get your blood work panel worked up so you can see where you might be deficient in things or how things are going, you know, in your, whether it's your hormones or, you know, vitamins levels, you know, things that are, that might be slightly off, that might be affecting you as a person, you as your performance, you as your well-being. So in January, it was my time for my yearly blood work. Everything came back, what I would assume within normal limits. And then by April, something had happened between January and April in my body where my period stopped. All of those lovely aches and pains, speaking of aches and pains, like for the past year, every time I would, it started when I was racing, if I was doing trail racing, my feet would hurt inside the joints. 
And by last fall, it was my feet were hurting when I would just go out for a run. It originally was on trails and then it became run on the roads. And I finally went to a PT and he's like, well, you don't have plantar fasciitis, but let's just work on building some strength back in your feet because of that. Well, now we know that more things were going on because it went from the feet to the knees to the, the, I've had these crazy injuries this year, my back, low back, like joint injuries that never had type things like that before. So um, between January and April, it got to the point where my feet were really hurting. Like I said, my knees started hurting. Um, Again, the upset stomachs, these dull headaches that just wouldn't go away, you know, and, and um, the desire to train, you know, the desire to get out the door. I would make myself get out the door because that's just the personality and the nature. Like, oh, I'm going to get through this. Just get out the door. There's, you're not overtrained right now. But something was going on where I was like, okay, I'll feel good after. And you do, you always feel better after, you know, we, we just naturally, you know, when our endorphins kick in, we feel better after we've done that. But I wasn't getting that same kind of feeling. And it got to the point again, where the, the weepiness, the sadness, um, the anxieties, and that was a thing back in 2017 too, anxiety ridden, you know, not only for stress, but just life. I would have so much anxiety before a simple 40 minute run. And I'm like, why am I getting so feeling that tightness in my chest? Just so I'm going out in the door. It's not even a hard workout. Um, and with anything I was doing, I felt this anxiety was creeping up. So went back to my doctor in, I guess, April. And she's like, you know what, let's just not your dear. We're not going to do a whole blood panel. I just want to look at, you know, a couple hormones. And sure enough, between January and April, like, and I, I actually wrote it down, my hormone levels, my estradiol levels and my FSH levels went from within normal limits to <laughs> looked at it and you're like, oh, it actually says on the little readout postmenopausal for these wow. levels. Like they just, and she's like, she's like, you just went really fast. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And she's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. So in April, you know, again, get back on the computer, start actually, in April, lucked out, I had pre-ordered this book. <laughs> She's holding <laughs> up next level, everyone. It, it, like, with perfect timing. And you, I have like pages dog-eared, marked, highlighted, everything. I'm like, it became my Bible for the for the next few weeks. Um, and because it was like, oh my gosh, this is me. Oh, this is what I've been going through. And I know women say that all over, but it's so true. And, you know, I'm like, I am right now, I'm 48. So my symptoms started, you know, early forties yeah. and it just, you no, know, it, it happens differently for every person, but I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I compete against women 45 to 49 or mountain biking 40 to 49. I'm, I'm not going to be at this next level when they are not, and they're not going through what I'm going through. So I'm going to, again, try to figure it out. And whether I started taking, well, I've, I've been taking that dim, um, which is, how do you say it? Oh, I don't, don't make me get that off the top of my tongue right now. It's the it's the compound found in cruciferous vegetables that helps yes, with the estrogen. Yes. So it's, yes. A, I was like, it's my broccoli in a capsule. Yeah, that is what Tim really is. And so, but I had been taking that. And then I started um, with, because through the book, because I, it was the anxieties, like the things that were 
elevating everything in me and, and causing this, this stress and, and the cortisol going crazy and everything that. So I um, started taking holy basil and ashwanga, you know, and, and trying to work to get these things down. Because again, I had big goals for the year. I was originally going to be doing some Xterra races. And then I was going, my big goal was Breck Epic. And I wanted to swing by and do mountain bike uh, cross country nationals because it was out in winter park um, this year. And I had never done I call them crazy short mountain bike racing, I, but it was here. And I had emailed USA uh, Cycling and said, hey, you know, I've, I've never qualified for races like this. I haven't done them, but here's my background. And would you like another body out there on the course? <laughs> because <laughs> we're, there, there's, um, there's a shortage of women doing these kind of events. And we're working on, we're all working on that, right? Um, getting more women involved. So I had these goals in my schedule and um, I mean, on my life. And I was like, how how am I going to make this happen? Because I, even though I was, again, going back to the lessons I learned in 2017, taking these other kind of supplements, it, I, I wasn't rebounding. I mean, I, I was getting through my workouts, but I was not recovering. And it was day after day, whatever the workout was on my schedule. And it wasn't crazy over the top workouts. I've had a different coach this year. Um, and it's been cycling based work for specific workouts, you know, with a little running as cross training or when I, I herniated a disc in my back in June. Um, I did some swimming, which I was grateful. I had a swimming background to actually make me get to the pool. But I was like, how am I going to do this year? I want to, I, you know, Breck Epic is huge. And Breck Epic, when you're going through perimenopause or menopausal, like I, you're still kind of at that age where you're like, am I past it or am I not? You know, I'm still in that phase. Do I have a period no ish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so much I'll have 10 days of PM. I mean, literally the classic PMS, the bloating, the, the moods, the aches, that all of that. And then it goes away. You know, other times you might have this little bit of this as uh, you know, as my, my doctor was like, yeah, that just happens. It's the leftover. I have this brownish discharge, you know, so am I there? Am I not? We're still, you know, is that work in progress trying to figure that all out? But, um, and it's hard, you know, it's hard when you can, you can get through the workouts, but then you wake up the next morning and you feel tanked again. And you're like, well, I don't feel tanked muscle wise. I just, my body is feeling tanked and I'm struggling emotionally. And I, you know, I'm having this really hard time. So back to my doctor again. And, um, and we started, I mean, I'm just be honest. We started doing some hormone replacement therapy because I was like, I need a little more help right now. I'm, you know, I still have these goals. I want to figure this out, but I don't know how I'm going to get through the summer right now. And so um, we started, you know, with the the estrogen patch and a little progesterone and it it changed things pretty quickly for me. What was the most noticeable change? Um, I would say the recovery aspect for me, mm. like being able to get up in the morning and not feel exhausted. You know, that was, that was a big thing. And then the second big thing was, was the moods, the, okay, the world's not ending. You know, I, I'm <laughs> not, not everybody's looking at me with scorn in their eyes and they all hate me. You know, it's, <laughs> just, it, I, it's like, I, I mean, I'm sure we've all said this, but I, I've told my doctor, I was like, I can see why people thought women lost their minds when it came to the, you know, the age that we're going through, or when you read historically, whether it was back in the Salem witch trials days, and, you know, you have women who are experimenting with, with 
you know, herbs and stuff to try to remedy some of these thoughts and these feelings that we're having. I'm like, and what did they get to do back then? The men burnt them at the stake, you know, but fortunately now there's a little bit more awareness out there and it's a growing area of study that we're learning that we are not losing our minds. But I thought, I mean, I thought I was, thank goodness for the book and thank goodness for podcasts like yours, you know, and doing research and going, okay, I, I, it's normal to feel crazy right now. It's normal to feel like the world's ending right now. It's, you know, and um, for me at that, you know, at that time or through this time, that is the biggest thing I have noticed, the the calming effect. Also, the joints. I mean, you know how pro- progesterone really affects your joints. So when your body is losing its progesterone levels, the joint laxity that I was having, the, the feet pain went away after I started taking that. And that was that was something that happened pretty quickly. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, so long term, I mean, and is it all balanced? Like I know when you, I, I loved your podcast with Dr. Hirsch uh, a few weeks ago. And she was talking so much about it, you know, is, do, have we gotten it all dialed in for me exactly the right dosage and the, you know, administration method? I don't, probably not because I'm having these 10 days of whatever that goes through and everything, but it's way better than it was, you know, and, and for right now with the season of whether it was training or racing, you know, okay, we got, I got through the season. And that's great. And now that I'm through it, well, now, or I'm doing a gravel race next weekend, but um, after that, I should be, <laughs> I should be through most of my season of, of training and racing that um, I might be able to explore other options, but it did help me get through the summer in, in one piece. And um, saying it in one piece is huge <laughs> because I do remember, I, I think I got an email from Stacy Sims and it was so timely in late April, early May, before I had started all of that. Um, and it was right after, again, I always I say bless my husband's heart, because honestly, through this life, he's been a, a saint, and he's always been there and understood whether it was my passion, my drive, or my off-the-wall craziness with things. Uh, we went on we went on a, a, a bike date, and we were out riding, and it was on, a, um, on trails that I had raced and I had done well on. And I hit this one rock feature, didn't make it up the rock feature, didn't crash, just didn't make it up the rock feature, stepped off and had a meltdown, <laughs> like bawling my eyes. I couldn't catch my breath. Like it was like I was hyperventilating. And he's looking at me. He's like, um, just go ride the feature again. You know, you've done it. But I'm like, oh, I can't. Yeah. And I literally was for 10 minutes, sat there on this rock and just bawled because at the, as the email pointed out later, I was like, oh, that was me. Um, we had these crazy, again, the anxieties, like things that used to be simple. I mean, it, like I said, it's a rock feature I had written over in races, in training, different times of the year, different conditions, no big deal. And that day, I just freaked out on it. And I'd never questioned before, but I freaked out. And it's, I found that's interesting with this year. There are times where, you know, thank goodness it didn't happen during Breck Epic because Breck Epic has some pretty gnarly stuff on it coming down off a Wheeler Pass. I mean, there is stuff where you cross and you're like, oh, Oh my God. Yeah, no, that was the one stage I won when I did the race. And uh, that descent was, (laughs) I, I, yeah, I'm a technical rider. And I was like, I am ready for this to be done. (laughs) You're like, my hands getting all there. But I mean, had I had one of those crazy things that week, I don't think I would have made it through the race because I'll have that. I'll have those weird 
those weird times where I have those moments out here on my neighborhood trails yep. that I've had this year that I've never had before. And then you have other days where you like, well, it's just me riding like I normally ride. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I completely understand. So just to, just to sort of wrap that up, you, you know, you started the hormones, you felt better. So you were able to train as you would you did you go did you pursue any of the triathlon stuff and the other stuff or did you just focus on Breck Epic you know and um and I can't remember you had to get another guest recently who talked about this because she got into cyclocross racing um as a master's and is doing really well um I decided I needed to put the triathlon on the side burner you know I'm like I right now I don't need to compare to my my old self I don't want to compare times I don't want to compare placements it's, you know, and I've done that and maybe I'll go back to it in a year or two or whenever. But right now I don't need that stress in my life. You know, I need to figure out these things that are working for me, um, figure out my training. I mean, that's a big thing this summer here. You know, everything you read in your, in the, in your books and your podcasts, you know, talks about these high intensity interval sessions and short duration power based. And you're like, and I'm training for a race that's six days long, four or five hours a day, that doesn't fit in with the mold of what I should be doing right now. So there was so much, you know, working and working, really working and communicating with my coach um, because I don't know if he, he deals with many people like me. I mean, I think he mostly has younger athletes. So some days I'm like, Hey, I know you just put two, four to five hour rides back to back in my schedule. I think we need to look at this, not because I'm looking for excuses. It's just because I'm not recovering. I know I can get through these workouts, but I'm not recovering, you know, and right now, even though I'm doing a gravel race next week, I wanted, it's a, I wanted to do the hundred mile gravel race. Um, and just because of how I've recovered or haven't recovered from Breck Epic, I decided to back down to the 50 mile. I'm like, I don't need to prove anything right now. You know, do the 50 mile. 50 miles are good. It's a great distance. You'll enjoy it. It'll be beautiful. Yeah, it was a good hard day in the saddle. I mean, there's a lot of climbing anyway, and it's a technical race. And, um, and, but what have I been doing the past few weeks? I'm doing 30 second sprint intervals. I'm not doing 10, 15 minute long intervals. I'm not doing tempo things like, because I know my body needs the shorter, fast, it can, it, it'll get through the longer stuff, but it'll it be fine. <laughs> high intensity things to, to keep it balanced, you know, to decrease those cortisol levels, increase the testosterone levels versus be plagued the opposite way. Yeah. 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 What gravel race is it? So it's called Valhalla. Um, Mike McCormick, who puts on oh, okay. Break Epic, mm -hmm. it's a new event that he's putting on. And so, and I, I fell in love with Mike and his crew and just everything about Break Epic when I was out there. They just put on this top-notch show. They, they thought of every little detail. And so Mike was spreading the word during the race. He's like, hey, something else is coming up. You know, I, um, I think, think you'll like it. And I was like, count me in. Just because I want to see them again, you know. And, I, and um, granted, his gravel race... Uh, it has a mountain bike versus gravel bike option because apparently both are um, pretty acceptable. I do a lot of, of those. Bike. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> They're fun to do. Yeah. So with the mountain bike background, I was like, ah, this is my kind of race. Like, you know, the, the smooth champagne gravel the whole time. There are going to be lots of people with what I would say road backgrounds or whatever that can ride that stuff so fast. But I'm like, eh, if there's stuff that's a little rowdy. That's my yeah. kind of riding. That's awesome. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. 
Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. So tell everybody um, how Breck Epic went because you did it. You did it as a duo, right? Yes. And um, she was uh, younger than you. What? What? T- like, uh, how old are you now? And what was the composition of your team? How did you find each other? And how did the race end up for you? Okay. So I am forty-eight now. Um, my teammate was thirty-eight on race day. She's thirty-nine now. We are actually neighbors, but. Until last, probably November, even though we've lived in the same neighborhood six, seven years together, the only interaction we ever have was pretty much through Strava. You know, I would go do a big climb, get a queen of the mountain. She'd go out the next week, do the same climb, take it from me. And this went on this little competition between the two of us for, like I said, six, seven years. And I was finally come last fall. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't, I know her and she knows me, but we don't, we have never even said two words to each other. So through Strava, I reached out to her and I was like, why don't we just ride together sometime? And so we started, we started riding like late last fall. And it's funny, you know, cause women, 
we're just interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of times this inherent competition in everything in life. I mean, starting back in our high school days, you know, we, um, and I'm not just talking about in sports, just the cattiness, all of that. And so here we had this un, you know, um, underlying competitiveness against each other. And suddenly we we're riding together and I'm like, well, this is kind of neat because she rides climbs at the same pace. I ride the climbs. We descend very similarly. I mean, we're not, bombing downhillers, you know, or enduro racers, but we're, I mean, we're strong enough in our inner descent so we could stay together. And I was like, this is kind of fun. And I had signed up for Breck Epic back in 2020, the year that nothing happened. Mm. Um, and so I had this deferral that's been sitting there. 2021 rolls around. I back out again because it's, it's always the first week of school for my kids and the whole mom guilt kicks in and you're like, totally oh, I first week of school. So she had signed up with it with her husband, but her husband, who's a, a great, I mean, he comes from a really strong road cycling background and he's a good mountain biker, but he got COVID last year and it really affected his lungs. And he was just having the hard time building his lung capacity back this year. So he didn't know if he was going to be able to do a six day race. So in our rides together, we were like, well, why don't we just team up and be a partner instead? Instead of me going off and do it my own, which I could have done and used my entry, it, let's just do it together. I mean, we, we ride together. We're riding at the same pace. And so we did some training together, which was great. Not all of our training, just because she's a mom of a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I'm a mom of teenagers. Life schedule, you know, doesn't always, doesn't always uh, mix, but she had a, a really strong background in stage racing. She'd done everything from Laruda to Cape Epic to Transportugal. So she, she knew the ins and outs of how to do these races where I was going in completely as a newbie. So I just trusted her. Like I told her, I was like, Hey, the first day of the race, I'm just going to stay on your wheel because you're going to set a pace. And I know whatever pace she sets, even if it's killing me, I'm going to hold onto her wheel just because that's who I am. And I'm like, but you set the pace because you know, what we need what we need to do each day. And the good thing with her background also was she knew that, okay, we, we had a, she had a whole spreadsheet, you know, and here's the meals you're cooking and here's the meals I'm cooking. And so everything was wow. pre, prearranged, you know, all our nutrition, everything we had before we went into race week. So it was those extra things we didn't have to worry about. We also made sure she's like, we need to, we found a massage therapist in Breckenridge and we scheduled two massages. And I'm like, wow, I've never had two massages in the same week. Heck, I haven't had a massage in three, four years. So I was like, <laughs> this is, this will be a treat. Um, but getting all those things, it took the stress away of the outside part that we didn't have to deal with. Then we could just focus on the race, which was so instrumental, I think, to not only our racing and our racing well, but our recovery each day. Um, because each day we would just get up in the morning, eat our breakfast, go race our bikes for four or five hours, come home, sit with, you know, recovery boots on with your feet up, watch, re literally watch reality TV all week, which is so funny because I'd never sit and watch reality TV. Yeah, but it's but like, brainless and it's perfect when you're doing that kind of thing. Yep. And we do that. We go to the pre-race meeting for the next day, warm up our dinners that we'd already pre-made and um, go race the next day. And that's what I think was vital for me at, you know, 10, 11 years older than her mm -hmm. a lot, that allowed my body to recover and be able to perform at her level each day. I love that. I love that. And how did you finish? Yeah. So we actually, it's funny there, uh, we did win the duo women's category because side note, we were the only entry in duo women's. You won as soon as you stepped up. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> this, we have got to change that. But, you know, she and I, we wanted to, 
earn our leaders jerseys every day. It was great that we got to wear them, but we wanted to earn them. So our goals, we had the side goal that, you know, ultimately she was racing 30 to 39 age group. I'm racing 40 to 49 age group. Well, each day we're like, we want to earn, quote, earn the leaders jerseys for our respective age groups as well. And that just became that other competition, which, which pushed us each day, instead of just finishing the race, we're like, no, we're racing it because Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. we are really racing other people. They might not know we're racing them, but we're racing them, you know? And, um, and it, and it was fun. And it was, it was so interesting because our overall placement, like in the pro field, we would have finished third. So we would have been in, I mean, as you know, as our time would have placed us third in the pro field, which was really cool because we both know that probably if each of us had raced individually, we probably wouldn't have finished quite as strong just because it was, again, it's the dynamics of, of two women that it really worked well together. We were friends, but we're not best, best friends. So therefore we're not like going to hurt each other's feelings out there. We're going to be respectful of each other when we're in our low points, but we also worked well as a team where we didn't even talk out there. You know, we just, we had this little saying, she'd, she'd say to me, are you good? And I'm like, I'm good. And if, I, if we said that, that meant we were going to pass the next person in front of us. That was the only communication we really did. We had, it's kind of like we each had our jobs and we each were going to hold up our end of our job. And that helped push us, I think, you know, on those times when I might have been struggling a little and if she's feeling good, well, I'm still going to try to hold onto her wheel where if I was just racing as an individual, I might have backed off. You know, so I wasn't going to let that happen. Or Wheeler, the Wheeler, Wheeler day um, was not her favorite day. <laughs> she doesn't like hiking bikings, bikes. You know, I, because for those who don't know, you literally hike for the better part of an hour. To the moon. You <laughs> literally are walking to the moon. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it is hard pushing, I mean, yes, it pushing is. your bike so hard up, up these hills. But I think whether it was my adventure racing background or... I was, I have this, like the mountain goat in me. I thought I, I was fine with it. I was amazed that, you know, you're getting up there so high. You look down you're like, oh my gosh, there's Copper Mountain Ski Resort way down below us. Or I see Vail Pass out there and I'm above all of that. And so I embraced that day, I think a little bit more than she did. Um, but again, then like the last day I was tanking on this seven mile gravel road cry, climb back at Boreas Pass but I'm not going to let go of her wheel. I'm like, she's not going to wait for me. She's not going to wait for me. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with her. And, and that propelled us to doing better than we, um, then we probably, like I said, then we would have probably done if we'd raced individually, which is really cool for women kind of building each other women up and pushing, pushing and testing our limits. I love that. That's, that's really great. That's that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I would love you for you to say a little bit like what's on the horizon for you as far as, I mean, are you going to be doing um, other events for Angelmint and maybe give our listeners a place that they can um, learn more about that and support your cause? So good. That's, that's that tough question that right now I hate to answer what's on the horizon for me. Oh, I know. You know I, I know. I always hate years, asking that, like, what's next? You're like, I'm recovering. Stop. You know, right. like, in, in past years, I was like, oh, well, like Xterra Worlds, prime example, 2017, I go to Xterra Worlds. I come in fourth overall, like in the amateur for, field, fourth. That's the one person off the podium, right? You know, because the top three are on that overall podium. And again, I didn't care about the age group race. I was like, no, it's, I want to see how I place against everybody else. I don't care about the, no offense. I don't care about the people my age, but I care about me versus the 20 year olds, you know, can I hold my own? So the next year that fueled my fire, like, 
well, then I'm going to improve that the next year. I didn't. I came in fourth again in 2018 too. So yeah, I was like, ah, okay, that's my place. But, um, but now, you know, but back then I wasn't, like I said, I, at the time I didn't know I was going through perimenopause at the time. You know, I didn't know I was overcoming these things at, back then. Now though, things are definitely changing in my body. And I don't know what I want to do next year, you know, especially when you do some more and more research. I mean, my brain was like, oh, I'd love to do some more ultra endurance type events. I'd love to do another stage race because I fell in love with stage racing. But the reality is right now, I mean, I have a daughter who my oldest uh, will be a senior next year. <laughs> it's kind of hard to take six days and say goodbye from reality when you have a kid who you're like, I have one more year at home with this girl and totally. then she's off to college. So, you know, I don't know if I'll get to do stage, stage racing like that again, because it was, it was this beautiful, luxurious week of non-reality, you know? Um, and also again, my body, you know, I'd love to do, like I said, longer events, but the reality is I don't want to feel for weeks. Like I felt after Breck Epic where I'm just not coming back from it, you know? So looking at things that might be shorter, faster, maybe that involves getting back into off-road triathlon because in the off-road triathlon, ultimately it's, you know, kind of like an Olympic distance uh, road triathlon where you're not, you're not having to go out on five hour rides. You know, you're not having to, you, you know, you're, you're doing things that are most of your workouts are an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes max. And it is a lot of higher intensity intervals, which is what my body may be needing come next year. So I don't know what, you know, like I said, I don't know what next year will hold, but I'm, I'm also going to approach next year with physiologically, well, what's going to work for me? Because I know I'm goal-oriented, so I know I'm going to have to, just because of me, you know, my husband's like, well, why do you feel like you have to race? And I'm like, because, again, I, 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 we all that are wired like this, you know, I think you kind of crave that, that, that atmosphere and pushing the body to its limits and setting those, those goals that are pretty hard to reach. And it gets me out the door, you know, the, the inherent lazy person in me who wants to sit on the couch all day and eat bonbons. Um, I'm not saying <laughs> it, that. It gets me <laughs> off that couch. And, and, you know, and out the door on those days that I don't want to get out the door. So I do like having goals, but I am not really certain what that entails for next year yet. But we can leave that open and I will put links to, um, to, to your sites and, and ways that people can learn more about Angelman anyway, in the show notes. So people can support that in respect of what you decide to do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's our show. Join me next week when we go back to school with statistician Leslie McClure. As we all know, there is a lot of menopause information out there. Some of it credible, some of it kind of sketchy. Leslie talks about how to do your own research and how to tell if the research you're reading is actually good. Um, It's a super useful conversation for menopause as well as many walks of life. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends 
And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.